0: Hi there, I'm Malcolm Gladwell, your guest host for the week. Welcome to Radio Headspace and to Tuesday. This week, I'm discussing some different ways to maximize your personal performance. Today, we're going to talk about the benefits of being a late bloomer. Our culture is obsessed with young people achieving high levels of success, and that can be amazing to watch, but it's important to note that success doesn't have to come at an early age. There are lots of benefits to being a late bloomer. In fact, I would argue that in many instances, you're probably better off being a late bloomer than being a prodigy. Just use music for an example. There have been numerous studies of musical prodigies. What we learn is that very, very, very few of them ever go on to be truly accomplished adult musicians. So why is that? Well, because when we observe a prodigy, what we are observing is a child who has managed to mimic the ability and skill of an adult musician. But that is a completely different skill from developing an individualized voice as a performer. An adult is someone who manages to take all of the kind of training and learning and lessons that they learn during their adolescence and transform them into something entirely new and different, something qualitatively different. And that is hard to do. There's lots of good examples of late bloomers. The most famous would probably be Cézanne, one of the greatest... uh, artists of the last, I don't know, 500 years. He does his greatest work at the end of his life. And the reason is that the kind of thing he was trying to do in painting was very difficult and had never been done before. And it took him an entire lifetime to master it. If you wanted to paint super realistic portraits in, you know, 1860, you could master that by 25 if you want to invent an entirely new way of representing uh, life in works of art, that could take you your whole life. I don't mean to say in all of this that you can't have genius come from precocious people. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, though, that there's two categories. You know, Picasso is someone who's painting extraordinary stuff in his 20s. Picasso is the anti cezanne They're basically contemporaries, but their careers could not be more different But they're representing two different ways of achieving greatness. And my worry is that we've fallen so in love with the Picassos or with the, you know, Orson Welles, who does Citizen Kane when he's 22, that we forget about Hitchcock, who's doing his greatest films in his 70s and 60s. I would argue, and I think the evidence bears this out, that Late bloomers, by virtue of how long they spend in the wilderness before they reach their calling, need a lot more social support. I remember writing about a a novelist named Ben Fountain who wrote a series of extraordinary books, all past the age of 40 or 45. And he spent 20 years basically trying and failing at writing, which was made possible by the fact that his wife was a lawyer who supported him and the family. There are certain institutions that understand and support the late-blooming idea. If you're a medical doctor and you want to become, I don't know, some kind of specialist surgeon or what have you, they will support you for years and years and years while you learn your craft. And there are lots of institutions like that. Go to the military. There are no 30-year-old generals. They support a kind of talent development pool that backs people for decades before they can tell who's going to be the one that will rise to the top. The other part of it, I think emotional support is as valuable as financial support. The truth is Ben Fountain could have done what he did. It might have taken a little longer, but he could have had a part-time job. He could have just written on the weekends. As long as he had people in his family who believed in him and told him that the sacrifice he was making was worth it. So I, I do think discouragement is the greatest enemy of the late bloomer. The advice I would give to someone who feels stuck or that they aren't where they should be is when it comes to mastering a new domain, your age is not the relevant number. The really relevant number is how long you've been engaged in that particular work. Take a profession like being a great physicist. Physicists tend to do their best work in their 20s, which led many people to think that, oh, physics is a young person's game. But then they discovered, oh, wait a minute. When people switch into physics in mid-career from another field, they also do their best work in their first 10 years. So it's not about how old you are. There is something magical about when you first discover physics that allows you to see insights in a unique way that others can't see. You know, that should encourage lots of people who are stuck to say, I can switch... And that, you know, the experience I'm bringing from even my first fail go-round can be enormously useful in making sense of my second go-round. That's all for today. Tomorrow, I'll talk about bending and even breaking rules. I'll share how my attitude about rules was shaped as a kid and a person in my life who showed me the value of questioning the status quo. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here soon.